0: Hello, my friends. I hope you're having a wonderful week. I am so excited to bring you a podcast interview this week with my friend, Allison McLean. She is a fellow coach, a wellness entrepreneur. She has a doctorate in physical therapy. She is a yoga instructor, a massage therapist, and a mother and a wife and an all-around badass who thrives in her business and her life despite and because of having a diagnosis of Lynch syndrome. And I'm excited to bring you this interview with her today to show you how you can thrive no matter what life throws at you, and sometimes because of it. I hope you enjoy and are as inspired by our conversation as I was. All right, my friends, I hope you're having a great week. I have a special guest with me here today, Dr. Allison McLean who is going to tell us a little bit more about her personal story. And this is very exciting for me because I'm also a rheumatologist. So I deal with chronic disease patients all the time. And half of the care that I give them is coaching and mindset around their chronic disease diagnosis and how to thrive even while having a chronic disease diagnosis. And that it actually does not define you and it doesn't have to, And you can still have a great life. You can not have a lot of stress around your diagnosis or your life or your health. And you could actually be a whole, complete, badass person, even with a chronic diagnosis. So I'm thrilled to have Allison here. Allison, hello. Thank you for joining us. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and how you're thriving? And then we'll start talking about what's going on with
1: you. Sure. I just love all that you said. Like, biggest smile on my face. It's awesome. (laughs) Love it. Uh, Yeah, so I have my doctorate in physical therapy from uh, Chapman. I'm a yoga teacher, therapist, massage therapist, and I help wellness entrepreneurs grow a profitable business while caring for themselves in the process. That is my passion. Um, I learned the hard way when I was diagnosed with Lynch syndrome and rectal cancer while I was in the midst of having my own profitable business but I was working around the clock and that was a quick eye-opening experience for myself to say oh (laughs) this is my one shot here is this really how I want to live that's
0: awesome Awesome. Thank you for that intro. So Mm -hmm. tell us, tell our listeners a little bit more about Lynch syndrome because it's Mm -hmm. not, it's outside of the scope of rheumatology for me. I know a little bit about it, you know, what I learned in school, but I'd like to know a little bit more from your perspective.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, So it's a genetic mutation that puts an individual at higher risk for certain cancers. So there's different strains of Lynch syndrome And each strain, so for example, um, MLH1, which you'll find out if you were to have your blood sent off to a lab, it comes back with these like specifications. But there's different specifications of Lynch, which is important to know because your risk for certain cancers Mm -hmm. will vary upon a few factors of one, the different strains. So MLH1 is higher risk for colon cancer, for example, and a few others, but colon's the highest. And as well as your family history. So also my providers pay attention to, they consider it a strong family history since my dad has had pancreatic cancer and his mom has also had pancreatic cancer. So typically pancreatic cancer is on the lower side of risk for the normal lynch person with lynch however i am monitored for pancreatic because it's in the family history so lynch syndrome itself is not necessarily a disease diagnosis and for sure 100 percent, it doesn't mean that you currently have cancer or does it mean that you will get cancer so for me it's when i came to a place of acceptance with this this, this diagnosis. And I will say I was a little bit prepared due to my family history, seeing my dad go through numerous tan- cancers, my grandma go through numerous cancers, my dad's sister go through numerous cancers. There was talk in my family of how just how our bodies are built are a little bit more vulnerable to cancer. So when I did get the diagnosis, it wasn't a complete shock or surprise. However, Mm. there are people that do get diagnosed with Lynch that there isn't the family history. There's not this length of personal experience with cancer or any family history of cancer. So for some people, it can be a surprise and that can be a shock. And at that point, you really have a choice where you can view the diagnosis as a burden. It's a burden to live with. The knowledge is a burden. Or how I choose to look at it is it's a play. The knowledge is power. It gives me more choices. I feel in a place of empowerment because I almost can, can see the road a little bit of a Oh, so for example, just last week, I had my annual screen of colonoscopy, endoscopy, which means I stick a tube down your throat to look at the stomach, which I get every three years. And then my pancreas ultrasound screen, which again, most Lynch people don't have unless they have a family history. Um, And I could look at that whole screening scenario as a burden. I had to take a whole day off of work and the half day prior to prep, drink that disgusting drink. My husband even had to work his work schedule around it because you're not allowed to drive because you're a little goofy afterwards, (laughs) groggy and sedated. And so it's a, it's a big hassle in a way. However, here's the amazing news. They did find a lot. It grew within a year. I'm a pretty healthy individual. But because of Lynch, I think my body, this, this is how it works, is uh, I did have a large precancerous polyp, meaning the cells were already c- converting and going erratic, showed in histology. Um, and they got it out. They got it out. Yay. That's amazing. So scans did their job, right? So now I can go on with my life. And actually that's how they found my first cancer. When I was diagnosed with rectal cancer, I got the Lynch syndrome diagnosis and then they, I got immediately sent off for my first colonoscopy a couple months later. And it was in that first colonoscopy that they, they, um, detected, uh, rectal cancer and it was only stage one. So in both these scenarios had these, Polyps had sat there. Then they well, for what for for sure, the stage one would have have just grown and become stage two, three, so forth. Till maybe I would have have symptoms. Who knows? But regardless, the treatments would have been way more invasive. Whereas before, I just had a surgery and I went on with my life. And now I don't even need a surgery. They're pretty. I have to get another colonoscopy in six months versus a year. So. But in the grand scheme of things, like, I'll take it, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Being sedated for a few hours versus a surgery and being in the hospital and all that good stuff. So Uh, yeah, I want to circle back. Thank you for sharing that. I want to circle back to that knowledge is power because I say that all the time. It's Mm -hmm. part of reclaiming your brain is being aware of your mindset and how that ties into your coping strategies, your feelings, your stress, and how you go through life, basically. So I love that you said you you could choose to see it as a burden, or you could choose to see it as just almost like a way of life. And you know what you yeah. have to do, and you can predict. And it, it sounds like it's more certain. So can you take us back to growing up, kind of having this history in your family? And how has that impacted the way you see your life, your health, your relationships? Has that did it change after the cancer diagnosis or was it kind of the same and on a continuum? And can you tell me a little bit more, more about that?
1: Yeah, there's been shifts for sure. Shifts and changes. Uh, I, I do like to give credit to my grandma who was an amazing woman. I mean, this woman rollerbladed after the Whipple surgery at age 72. With <laughs> my her, her grandkids. So that's awesome. <laughs> There's a picture we have of her that was in the newspaper of her running in the rain in Florida. And she went through more than 10 cancer diagnoses in her lifetime and each time would come back. And she had her moments of like being like, I don't want to fight this again for sure. But every time she was a courageous and warrior woman. And so I had that model where I could see as a kid, like, hey, look at my dad, look at my grandma, look at my aunt, they all had cancer at various stages. And they fought through it. And they came out on the other side. So that was the example I had growing up. So I think when I did get my diagnosis, like, that's the foundation I had to go from like, I saw them go through it, I know I'll get through it. And not to say that it was all like rainbows and daisies because there were moments where I did feel shame, especially as a wellness practitioner. There were moments where it was like, well, how can I show up to my podcast today and preach about wellness if I'm not well? Like I have freaking cancer Mm. right now. And I had to learn how to accept my body for how it is. And Mm that's part of what I teach. And I think that's what you you were saying. Like you teach as well is just wellness, does, wellness and thriving does not mean perfection as a human being. None of us are perfect. We all have something we're going through and experiencing, or I don't even, there's just so many examples of, situations where we could either look at ourselves as not a whole human being or we can say like every person on this planet is different in some way and this is just like my difference this is just me it's just how my cells are built um and i'm gonna love that that part of me and i'll use this diagnosis to inform me to help make the best decisions possible at the time. Meaning, you know, knowing like, okay, I'm going to decide to go to my screens. I don't have to go to my screens. There's people out there that skip their screens and they might like the reasons and that's fine. But for me, like I'm deciding to go to my screens because it's a way that I have a little bit more control over possibly the future in in this world of unknown and uncertainty and forever changing.
0: <laughs> yes, I think that's important too with any kind of diagnosis, whether it's an acute diagnosis or chronic diagnosis, is you can either be in a victim stance, kind of helpless, and this is happening to me, or you can be, like you said, an owner and let it empower you, and then the components of really like that knowledge and seeking knowledge. But I've seen that go too far as well. Like some people just Google all the time and they stress themselves out. And it's also, like you said, loving and accepting yourself as is with whatever's going around and almost relaxing into it versus fighting against it. And it's, it's the acceptance of reality. And I know for me personally, and for a lot of my patients and my clients, if we're fighting with reality, we feel like if we're accepting it, we're saying we're okay with it and we agree with it.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Um, and the self love and the self acceptance really is the component, I think, and I, I think you probably agree because I know this is a big component of what you teach to your clients is learning to accept ourselves, like you said, as is. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be, you know, whatever we're imagining we're being because we're creating that anyway right? Mm-hmm. So we get to create our life as whatever we want it to be. And yeah, maybe it didn't turn out exactly as we expected, or, you know, a diagnosis came up that maybe we did anticipate or we didn't. But now that it's here, the, the easier a time we have accepting it, which not to say it's easy, even if you know it's coming, it's never mm-hmm. easy to feel that lack of control with your body Like, you know, I want to be able to do this, but this, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's it's all about the mindset and acceptance and self-love. And I think when you can like relax into the self-love and self-acceptance, it gives you this sense of trust. Like you said, that you'll, you'll know you're going to be okay. You're always going to have your back because you've taken back that control and that ownership of your life, your mindset, how you look at it, how you approach it, how you, move through it gracefully and also how you accept it and whether you accept it, right? Your mind, your spirit, and your body are all thriving because you're choosing to own it versus, you know, and we all, we all fall into the victim mentality. <laughs> I know I do. I catch myself all the time. I'm like, I'll be like working out or something and I'll be like, oh, this sucks. This is so hard. And I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. I chose this. I'm doing this on purpose. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. an end point. There's yeah. a reason. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. The other thing that you brought up was uh, in my mind of something that you said is that it's trust, too. And for me, it's trust on trust within myself to know that regardless of what happens or what I have to go through, I'll be able to handle it and I'll figure it out and I'll still be able to live my life to the fullest. Mm, I love that. Uh, Regardless. And it's also trust in my team. And when I was first diagnosed, I was in a different healthcare system. Where I didn't have that same trust in my team. And it's not to say that it was bad. It was just not the health system for me. Where it could have been the health system for someone else. And I, and at the time, my husband switched jobs. So our healthcare changed. And I switched to UCSD and I love my team there. Like all the practitioners, all the providers are so amazing and I, tr- I trust them. So when I got that last week, when I got the histology report back for like describing myself, I looked at it and as a provider, I usually can interpret reports I had no idea what any of those words meant. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I have never been trained on that level of like histology. And I was like, at the moment, I'm like, okay, I can Google search this, you know, and run down that rabbit hole, which I started to do. But then I caught myself. I'm like, why? Like, I trust my team. I'm going to show up to, they're going to, and sure enough, like later that day, I got a... Um, a I, I, I message in the chart, and it was like, "Hey, this is exactly what this means. This is what we're gonna do." Like da, da 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 da, and I like I didn't even have to. So the point is, is like if you, it's number one, learning how to trust yourself that you can endure anything, and number two, is find that team that also will help to support you as well. And sometimes it takes a few tries to get those practitioners that line up. But know that there will be people there to support you because there are people like you Liz that like are amazing providers and will offer amazing support and advice and perspectives that you know every provider's different so mm-hmm. um keep keep searching out there.
0: Yeah, I think that's important for any of us when we're seeking either healthcare or support or help in any way, not even just in our bodies and our health. But, you know, if I go to a hardware store, and the clerk, you know, is like, oh, I think it might be this part that you need, but I'm not sure, like, that doesn't inspire confidence. So I may go to a different store, and seek out someone who's more confident and certain, and who can talk to me at a level that I understand. And I think that it's really important to be empowered as a patient especially, but to also know how to advocate for yourself. And I've found that that's part of what helps my patients feel less stressed about their disease, about their diagnosis, even when they're having pain, because you know we talk about all those things, yes, but there are patients that don't like me, don't like my style or approach or how we communicate. We just don't get along. And that's, you know, that's life. Just like entrepreneurship, like you're not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> And that's been kind of hard for me because I just want to help everyone. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as advocating, I think that is important to find the best fit for you and to not be, especially as a woman, to not be intimidated by it or to be intimidated to ask questions or feel like we can't ask questions or advocate or be like, no, that doesn't sound right. Or no, I don't quite understand it the way you're explaining it. Can you talk to me about it differently? Like you said, big words, you know, scary stuff. Even if you have a good, rounded, centered grasp on what's going on, there's always that what if moment. And Mm -hmm. I know from personal experience and you know with my husband and some of his health issues the waiting and the not Mm -hmm. knowing is sometimes the hardest part between the screening and the getting the results it's always that what if that keeps circling which I think is just a human quality our brains always want to go to worst case scenario a hundred percent so what recommendations would you have for someone listening to this who maybe hasn't had like those badass strong woman role models that you had, mm. or mm. the support team, they haven't found that yet. Mm-hmm. How would you um, advise them maybe to navigate, or some tips you can give them about that?
1: Yeah, it's taking it day by day. It's writing out, okay, sometimes I do go to the worst case scenario and I just try it out, like, because there is a chance that any of my screens can come back with that diagnosis. And Sometimes I just need to feel that through. And in the past, I used to kind of shame myself over that. But now I find like if it's a strong enough presence that I just need to explore it and feel it through. And honestly, that just helps to process it through faster instead of like resisting it or like forcing myself to feel another way. So, you know, give yourself the grace and compassion to explore whatever emotions, whatever feelings, whatever what-ifs you may need to do. That being said, learning how to discern, and Liz and I have been through coaches where this word is used, where you might be indulging in it, meaning you're getting stuck in it. So noticing if you're like continuously spinning in, a thought process or belief or feeling cycle that you're not progressing from, you're not moving forward from, and you're continuously in this loop. And that I find that's what, like, if I'm going to be triggered into the victim mentality, it's because I'm stuck there. I'm indulging Mm -hmm. in those emotions instead of like working myself through them or Mm -hmm. working with a coach or someone to process through them. Um, so that's the other thing, like if you feel like you don't have the support team, you do feel stuck there, like you you do want some self-support out- outside of yourself, is to seek out some support teams that can help you. For me personally, I use a combination of Western medicine where they have the evidence-based protocols that are very uh, helpful for people with Lynch. And i have the team that follows those protocols and as i mentioned i really love them i also have some alternative medicine providers that i use as well like an acupuncturist a naturopath i have my own coach um and so i know that what if i get stirred up in the western medicine world or i I am experiencing scan anxiety or waiting for a test like i can go to yoga class i can uh, talk talk about it with my coach. Empty my brain. Get get out my fears. Um, if, like for example, um, the polyp that came back last week considered precancerous, I can bring that to my acupuncturist and say, okay, from you know your standpoint, your modalities, your ex- length of experience in your healing modality. Is there anything that we can do from your perspective that's preventative for the future um, that might Western medicine might not like utilize at this point right now or, or acknowledge. So uh, I like to do that because it brings me more hope. And again, it it gives me a sense of control that I'm, I am being proactive for my health Uh, when I was diagnosed and with Lynch and had to, decide make the big decision whether to get a preventative hysterectomy or not I gathered information from western medicine and then I also spoke with my naturopath like is what they're saying the only option like can you screen for ovarian cancer for example which is what on the list of risks for Lynch and my naturopath at that time agreed you know she and she still does she agrees with like there are not great screening tools for ovarian cancer right now. So if you want to be completely preventative, hysterectomy is the answer, which surprised me, (laughs) you know, but then also it gave me the confidence to make the best decision for myself. So I, I really seek out a team using a hybrid approach, because I like to hear all the different philosophies. But I know people that thrive really well and only the Western medicine model. So you got to just do you.
0: Yeah, I think that's important is listening to yourself and what you feel is best, but also seeking out providers that are supportive of what you want. Because I've had patients who have had naturopaths for, say, rheumatoid arthritis, and then they wanted to come to me to explore more, more holistic and traditional treatments and their naturopath fires them Uh. and says like, I'm not going to see you. And I'm like, well, Uh. if, if I'm a Western trained doctor and granted, I do have some more holistic ideas. And we talk a lot about lifestyle and nutrition and stress and uh, movement Mm -hmm. in my practice. However, there are some people that are just like, give me the pill and let me get on with my life. And I don't want to work on my diet. I don't want to work on this, but also, you know, Seeking out the provider that will listen to you, I think is the number one most important thing, who listens to you, who hears you, who acknowledges what's important to you. And like you said, some people just want Western medicine. Some people just want a more Eastern or holistic approach or a more natural approach. And I respect that. And I think mm-hmm. finding someone who respects you as a person first before a, a diagnosis or before you know being a patient, mm-hmm. Because yeah. we're treating, you know, I, I joke with my patients, but I'm like, we're treating people not lab values here.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's, um, uh, it, it's a give or take. Uh, I do find though, with cancer, like if there is a cancer diagnosis, I highly recommend not to abandon Western medicine. <laughs> I'll just say that. I, I, I highly recommend if you want to, do holistic alternative modalities with Western medicine, which is what I personally did do that. But there's certain school of thought, like when I was diagnosed and I could have a simple surgery to remove the cancer. And so essentially then I'm cured, I'm considered cured. Uh, I was told to not get the surgery because it is invasive from certain people in the yoga world. And, and to just clean up my diet and that blew my mind like yeah uh, personally for me as a mom if I have a chance to cure it I'm gonna get it out instead of running the risk of having it grow and turn into stage four where there isn't that choice will yeah. be taken away
0: yeah and I think it's one thing to have a belief and preach about it or to give advice but it's also very different when it's you or someone you love and I've seen, I've seen people kind of change their mind when it's more personal to them versus Mm -hmm. just a general overall philosophy or recommendation. And I totally agree with you that, you know, especially if it's a potentially life ending diagnosis, or there's going to be different treatment options down the road that may not be as pleasant or as easy to navigate through, why would you not give yourself the best of everything? Because, and, and I don't know if that plays back to us as women as well, is that, We feel like we have to take care of everyone else first and then us (laughs) so maybe we don't deserve the best right um because i I find that coming up again and again like are we enough to deserve it and i'm like you know that's what we we need to kind of decondition from society i think overall because yes hell yes we deserve the best of everything Mm -hmm. and like i said i can't like you just having your your grandmother and your (laughs)
1: I know you're on to like everyone lucky. that was just
0: so kick ass. I was like, that's amazing. I love yeah. that. Yeah, very much. Yeah. yeah. And so we're going to wrap up in a minute, but I just want to hear from you just a little bit more about how you feel empowered because of this diagnosis and how that helps you as a teacher and a coach and an instructor to help your clients um, and your patients navigate their own issues and their own body and their own mindset around. life and how that how do you how you empower them
1: yeah for me the word empowerment comes with grateful like I'm so grateful to know this so I can get these screens so Mm -hmm. I can bring the team that I need on board um and not feel guilty about it to learn how for me I am also so grateful because there was a time I used to work late into the night, work weekends, most weekends, and I was missing moments with my daughter, who at the time was two and younger. And now because I had this awareness of like my diagnosis opened my eyes and how I could quickly turn late 50s and 60s and my daughter can be 18 and then off to independent. Her own life and independence. That during those years, I had a choice. Like I could really care for myself, carve out the time for myself without guilt, uh, without worry, knowing that I'm enough to choose that now and still be quote unquote successful in my business, that that is an option. I'm so glad that that diagnosis opened my eyes up to the second option. Otherwise I could have missed like my daughter's whole life. She would have turned 18 and I would have missed all these weekends with her and all these moments Mm. that we've been creating the last like five years together. So I am so grateful for that. And and the knowledge, so I can seek out what is going to support me the 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 best. And my husband's grateful for that too. Like we work together as a team, and and um, like if I feel like oh I want to put something off, he's like quick to remind me like no 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 <laughs> I see you. So it works, you know, as the together as a family. So so we can all. So I can be here as a mom and as a wife and as a business owner, like showing up every day with the energy that I want to have and living the life that I truly want to live. So that's, I'm so grateful for that.
0: Yeah. I think gratitude is often missed and very important and it's easy to forget and kind of like get out of that space. And then it's so great that your husband reminds you, you know, like, yep right here, right now is really all we ever have. Um, But yeah, just empowerment and ownership and gratitude Mm -hmm. is what I'm hearing along with Mm -hmm. the love and acceptance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say one more word that just came Mm -hmm. to mind is resiliency. Like Mm -hmm. for me, part of that trust is like resilience because now I know like I really will be okay no matter what, again, like I can set certain goals. I tell I tell some of my clients this is like you can set goals like of or visions of how you want your life to be. And you can keep taking steps to allow them to come into reality. But along the way, sometimes life might throw you curveballs. And the more resilient that you are, the more flexible your mind becomes. So even though you envisioned achieving these goals or that life a certain way when life throws you a curveball when you have resilience then you're able to like change the course you're still going to get there but the path might be a little bit different or or the time frame might be a little bit different Uh, one of my coaches says this she's like you can set your goals but let go of the how let go of the attachment of the how and I think that gives room for resiliency which then is very empowering because you can trust yourself like I'll get there when I get there I know and I trust that I'll get there
0: it's a positive feedback cycle yeah. there's resiliency and empowerment resiliency and empowerment
1: exactly
0: <laughs> yeah we can get off the stress treadmill <laughs> get on yeah. the resiliency and empowerment treadmill yeah
1: I love that. exactly yeah
0: So anything that we didn't touch on that you really feel would be important to share for anyone who may be listening, who has a loved one or themselves with a diagnosis that is maybe stressing them out or causing them to feel some helplessness or did we touch on pretty much everything? I feel like we we were pretty thorough.
1: Yeah, we did touch on everything. And if you do feel stressed out, like just Reach out to someone. There are people there t- to help you. You don't have to go through it alone and feel isolated. And and trust yourself because I bet you have your back more than you realize. Mm, yeah, definitely.
0: We're never alone. It's just sometimes our brain tells us we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And it's never true. It's always an error. Awesome, Allison. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on today and to talk more about your personal story and how you're thriving through it. I want everyone to be able to work with you if they are a business owner and they want to have that balance and that resilience and that Mm -hmm. empowerment. So can you tell them where they can find you and how they can contact you?
1: Yeah, sure. First of all, thank you so very much. Um, And yeah, Ignite Your Wellness. So it's igniteurwellness.com, and then they can find me at all the places there all the uh, like free opt-ins and social media and all that. But that's a great place to start. Awesome. And we're going to um, put some links in
0: the show notes. So if you're eager to go explore more about Allison and her business and how she can help you, please jump on over there. And I hope you all have a fantastic week and we will be back with you next week. Thank you all for joining us today as Allison and I talked about her Lynch syndrome and how it's impacted her life and actually led to her feeling more empowerment and more gratitude for every aspect of her life. I also wanted to summarize that I was really impressed with how she ties in resilience And how you can go about getting more support in your life. You can look for role models. You always have the choice of how you want to look at any situation. And if you want more help with this, you can email me at info at thrivearena.com. I'd be happy to set up a free consultation call with you to talk through whatever it is that you're going through, whether you're struggling with time management, you lacking energy you want to spend more time with your family and less time at work, whatever you want more of, and you want to create more thriving in your life, I got you, boo. So set up a time so we can talk today. And I hope this episode was hugely inspirational for you as it was for me. Thank you again, Allison. And I hope you all have a fantastic week and I will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening today. If you love what you're hearing, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you want more inspiration and stress solutions to feel better and live joyfully, click the link in the show notes to join my email list to get joy delivered straight to your inbox. It is never too late to reclaim your brain and thrive in your life.